That's, that is not my fault. That is not on me. Hello. You know what? I'm just going to keep doing this until time with whichever. Yeah. <laughs> Howdy. Welcome to the Managing Expectations podcast. This is your host, Jeff Winger. I am very happy that you're with us today. With me, as usual, uh, aide de camp, Brian Grimm. Howdy, Brian. Good afternoon, Jeff. And the Segundo, Jared Reiser. Hello, Jared. Hello. The ma the uh, Managing Expectations podcast, the magnificent Managing Expectations podcast, is brought to you by Pacific Century Media Company. We uh, are happy to be talking about uh, the passing scene, uh, the culture, um, interesting things that um, make people uh, take notice. Uh, things that are worthwhile diversions with everything else going on in the world. So um, um, it's been it's been great here in Texas. Uh, a uh, low pressure system's parked off the Gulf of Mexico, and it's been very pleasant here in the summertime in uh, North Texas. I I, I kind of like doing like a, a quick weather recap at the beginning of each episode just to kind of keep yeah you never go wrong by starting with the weather right <laughs> so so the the, the novelist james elmore and i'm sorry elmore leonard elmore leonard um who uh, whose uh short story fire in the hole was the basis for the justified television series um he wrote a book well, I mean, he had like 12 rules of writing and um, one of them, in fact, maybe the first one was never start with the weather, never describe the weather. Why? Why? I don't know. Read the book, man. It, it <laughs> says it's boring. I mean, the great thing, what El, uh, James Elmore, doggone it, Elmore Leonard, James Elmore, I think is like the like really dark nihilistic uh, author of uh, the Black Dahlia and L.A. Confidential. Okay, so um, these are two different guys. James Elroy is not Elmore Leonard. Yeah, Elmore Leonard, though, like wrote novels for fifty years. He wrote westerns until westerns didn't sell anymore, and then he went to um, mysteries and um, uh, came to great acclaim for. Uh, giving his his uh, villains um, better characterization than anybody else was doing. One of his things was um, uh, just leave the boring parts out. That's good advice. Yeah, and not I, bad, right? And I think that we do that with the Managing Expectations podcast. Well, I think we're getting better at it. You know, let, let's see if we can come in under an hour this time, boys. <laughs> Okay, so I just read I just read um, an article that originally appeared in Esquire magazine in 1963 uh, about Peter O'Toole. So at the time, Peter O'Toole was like 31. Uh, O'Toole died a few years ago, like well into his 80s, which is unbelievable because the guy like drank and smoked forever. Um, you may he was have doing seen everything right. What? I said he was doing everything right. Uh, Sorry, he <laughs> he um, he did okay with the ladies too, from what I understand. Yeah, I was about to say I don't think he just drew the line with drinking and smoking. <laughs> <laughs> he was balanced. <laughs> he, yeah, he, and he was of that generation. I mean, he used to run around with like Richard Burton and Richard Harris and. And, and those guys, um, uh, and I'll tell you that I, I don't want to. I want to go come back to this magazine article, but the Peter O'Toole movie. I mean, everybody's going to always talk about Lawrence of Arabia, um, and there's some great stuff about Lawrence of Arabia, though I don't really like that movie, uh, and I always confuse David Lean with Richard Attenborough, and I think that they're both. British directors 
who make really long movies with like really boring uh, landscape scenes. And, and I gotta tell you, I think parts of Lawrence of Arabia are incredibly boring uh, because it's just like, you know, the, the diminutive nature of man against the vast desert landscape for just, you know, <laughs> minutes, you know, so Elmore Leonard probably could have helped that out. Cut out the boring yeah. stuff. Has anybody, did anybody look up Lawrence of Arabia so we know who direct, who, which director, which boring in English director I don't like? One of the things that, um, I, I haven't. Jerry, do you just sit there, buddy? Just <laughs> well, I was just going to mention some of his better movies, you know. Peter O'Toole's? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think his best work was Ratatouille as Anton, uh, e was it Anton An something? Anton, Anton Ego. Yeah, Ego. Um, when I was a kid, I probably watched my favorite year on VHS 15 times. I, that's where I was going. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's great. <clears throat> uh, David Lee. Jared, have you ever seen my favorite year? I'm looking it up. Right now, I don't think David so. Lean, okay. David Lean directed Lawrence of Arabia. Okay. And, and he did Dr. Zhivago, too, which is like had the same horizon landscape scenes only in the snow instead of in the desert. But it's the exact same. Today, they just CGI it, which isn't really a step forward, except, I don't know, probably be I'll check it out. less boring. But my favorite year is great. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he, he plays, like, uh, he, actually, um, Mark Lynn Baker, who was in, what was that sitcom in the 80s with, like, Cousin Balky? Perfect Strangers. Perfect Strangers. Okay, so Mark Lynn Baker was in that. And I'm sure he's got homes all around the world because he was in a successful sitcom, but I never watched one. It really, really looked stupid to me. Again, you, again, you, when I wasn't watching my favorite year when I was a kid, I was probably watching Perfect Strangers. <laughs> so are you are you like one of the the uh, officers of the Denver chapter of the Mark Lynn Baker uh, fan club? It's actually the Western United States region, not just the Denver office. <laughs> he had great curly hair. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Uh, you know, he, he actually, uh, um, so there was a play or a musical, uh, that, uh, Gary Trudeau did, um, uh, about Doonesbury, you know, the, the cartoon Doonesbury mm -hmm. and Mark Lynn Baker was in that too. Uh, and I can't think of anything else Mark Lynn Baker was in. So the well is dry, but my favorite year he plays like a uh, errol flynn kind of character but it could easily be a peter o'toole kind of character and um who is ho who's a guest star on a sid caesar type my show of shows so an early comedy uh, uh variety show in the early days of television, like in the, what, the 50s, mm -hmm. Brian? Yeah. And um, uh, it was just great, Peter Tool. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, the Mark Lynn Baker character was obviously inserted for a, the younger demographic, and he had like this cloying romance um, that I didn't care for. But, um, but the Peter O'Toole character was, was just, great and i really i really liked um uh joseph bologna as uh what was his name king something right uh <clears throat> not king carrasco that was a beach rocker in the early days of mtv not king sunny a day he's a western your uh western african singer king kaiser king kaiser King Kaiser, that's it, yeah. Yeah, he was great. And then like they have mob trouble. So it's a it's a good movie, Jared. Check it out. This came out this came out in eighty two. Yeah. Eighty two, yeah. I saw it in the theater, boys. Did you really? Did you really? Probably took a young lady, not bragging, but I'm just saying. <laughs> What'd your mom think of it? <laughs> 
she didn't get it. Um, so, um, uh, so anyway, so I read this article. So there's this article uh, from uh, in Esquire magazine in 63 about Peter O'Toole. And it, I mean, really, it was just, um, okay, so in the 60s, Esquire magazine was like really cutting edge. I mean, in, in design, um, in its format, in the way it would get great authors and have great writing in it. And that ran, certainly through the 60s, it was a big deal. I mean, it was a real cultural uh, a milestone. I mean, it. Um, I don't think Esquire started out like as... We wouldn't consider it porn, but it was probably a lad mag. Um, like they would, they would have great writers: Hemingway, Steinbeck, Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald's not really in uh, Hemingway and and Steinbeck's class, if you ask J Jared and I. But you know, reasonable people can disagree. I mean, just had had great. In fact, in fact. I have compilations. I have the Bedside Esquire collection of short stories in my bedroom, and I have the Armchair Esquire in the living room. Because from the 30s through, you know, the 60s, they had, you know, the great writers, the great American writers. So, but, but there was a guy named George Lois who would um, uh, design them. And so when you, some of the stuff that you might have seen if you watched Mad Men at all, um, just the interesting design things with, um, um, I mean, there's there's uh, the covers of old Esquires. There was a picture of a football player, um, uh, you know, a big guy who looked like an offensive lineman uh, down um uh, like kneeling in prayer and, and the text was uh, God help him he's about to play 60 minutes of professional football um, there was a picture of Nixon getting his um, makeup done uh, because some people thought that he lost to Kennedy in, the, in 1960 because he didn't wear makeup on what were the first televised debates. So he looked like, like you could see his five o'clock shadow and he had a little sweat on his, on his upper lip and Kennedy looked like a million bucks like he always did. And so, uh, Oh, but there's a really famous, uh, picture of Muhammad Ali, uh, with arrows sticking out of him. And, uh, it was like, um, the famous, I think it's a sculpture of St. Sebastian um, so it's the exact, exact same sort of thing. So it was really cutting edge kind of, kind of stuff in Esquire, but then they also had great writers and Tom Wolfe, um, Brian and I are, are Tom Wolfe fans. And, and by the way, if we have time, I want to come back to that because Charlotte Simmons is almost dated. <laughs> I mean, it's like, ten, you know, it's like 15 years old and it's, and it's almost out of date because things are, have... <laughs> Because people won't go to college anymore? <laughs> no, because the colleges, as crazy as, as the world that Wolf described in the in the early aughts, mm -hmm. um, I think that they've gotten like a hundred times crazier. Right. right. Yeah. So, um, and then there was a writer named Gay Talese, who's like super Italian. I mean, like really embraced his Italian heritage. Uh, he wrote a book called... Um, honor your father um i don't know it's like his dad was a tailor uh and it's it's kind of sounds like um uh gay talese's family were like the guys in the godfather who didn't want to like really be friends with the don that you know they wanted to come to america and make a good life but you know if something had to get done you knew who'd ask for a favor, right? I just touched the side of my nose in indication of for those of you not for those of you listening at home. 
<laughs> so Gay Talese um, writes this article about P Peter O'Toole, and it was kind of a celebrity puff piece. It was essentially uh, flying from London to Dublin with Peter O'Toole, who drinks the whole time, then drinks when he gets there. Then they go to the racetrack and he drinks some more. And then he like ends up getting like really melancholy about his father. Um, so, you know, um, that was, that, that, that was, that was kind of it. He, he also sounded kind of angry that, um, Lawrence of Arabia, which put him on the map. And I think which won him, didn't he win an, an Academy Award for that? Maybe not, but maybe the movie did. He got great reviews. It put him on the map. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think he did. I, I think that he got like a, they threw him a bone when he was like an eighty-five-year-old man or something. I'm not. I don't think he did win it. Um, one of the reviews for Lawrence of Arabia said um, uh, that when, when O'Toole's. Uh, Lawrence mounted the desperate cavalry charge. He had uh, a messianic ecstasy on his face. So then, like, <laughs> I heard I heard an interview with O'Toole talking about that line later on. Okay, so like whoever was with him, and it might have been Omar Sharif, but I can't really remember. But like they were so like Peter O'Toole was so scared of the horses. That he got ripped that morning. So he's like drunk and like holding on for dear life. And that, that translated to the reviewer as as messianic ecstasy. Right. Funny, right? But it's funny. Yeah. So so then okay, so we're we're eighteen minutes in. I wanna take a quick break and acknowledge this week's uh, sponsor of Managing Expectations, the podcast, uh, and that's Mrs. Winger Makes Masks. You know, everybody hates the idea of thinking that we're going to be wearing masks for a while. Um, nothing would make anybody happier, including Mrs. Winger, than getting rid of uh, the mass and going back to um, showing our 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 chiseled uh, our chiseled jaws our noble noses uh, and 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 everything else yeah that's right uh, our our dimples our 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 bleached white teeth <laughs> but until that day comes all right here's the other thing I'm thinking you see these pictures from other countries and everybody's like in like those paper masks and that seems really kind of bleak like bleaker and i kind of dig how like here in the states people are like getting fancy masks mm -hmm. uh I, you know you see you see different types of masks out and about um what's unbelievable about mrs winger's cotton masks uh, isn't just how comfortable they are, uh, how um, breathable they are, how they can you can fit uh, uh, an additional filter in, uh, into them, but also how stylish they are. They're very, very stylish. And uh, this can be found, uh, the, uh, you can click the link in the show notes, but it's uh, Mrs. Winger's Masks dot square dot site that's how you that's how you get in there and place your order it's amazing so uh brian yeah it'll be easier to check the show notes though you know you really gotta you really like people checking <laughs> well sure and um it's just a shame we can't get anything else in the show notes wouldn't you say uh, well who's our who's our on staff copywriter Well, I'm gonna blame your I'm gonna blame your kid until until producer Jack, Pro, producer engineer Jack. Uh, I I think we missed an opportunity the other day to link to the Met Museum and do uh, Washington Crossing the Delaware. 
Swing and a miss. What? A swing and a miss. Okay. Well, did you swing? <laughs> or or did you watch it sail across the plate? I was being told to take take the first three pitches. <laughs> take three. Okay, so so um uh so uh Gay Talese uh wrote one of the most famous articles in Esquire in the sixties and it was uh Frank Sinatra has a cold. And like he was supposed to uh, he was I think I think the story there is he was set up to go to Vegas and interview Sinatra and do a do a piece on uh, Sinatra and then Sinatra canceled. So then so then Talese uh, sought out everybody else like in the periphery. Like he talked to Sinatra's barber, and um, it, I'm sure it's available on on the web. Uh, oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll look for it. Maybe I'll send the link, and we could get it into the show notes. How would that be, Brian? Good call. Would, would that would that work for you? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. If I could do that, yeah. All right. Very good. Um, yeah. So so anyway, uh, Esquire magazine, which is unreadable I'm I clicked through on a thing about uh, a man bag like from Apple News well it's like this bag will change your life and I'm like you know I like a good attache I like you know a good backpack I don't know what I'm clicking through on I mean I guess it's a good thing I didn't end up in something unseemly <laughs> Certainly, this Esquire article. And here's a nice dress to go with your bag. <laughs> yeah, it was a man bag, which I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not prepared to uh, start carrying a purse. How much was it? How much was it? <laughs> the bag or the dress? <laughs> I um, yeah, I didn't, I don't know how much it was. It was, but I mean, I, I, well, but I mean, okay, okay. Here's the thing. This is the thing. Okay. They threw in, okay, so it's 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 not just like hey, okay, you know, you know, they could have like taken an okay boomer, man bags are fine, get over it, get over yourself, whatever, but I mean, it was it like editorialized way more than that, and like how uh, gender is an arbitrary construct, and it just, I mean, it just bent over backwards, maybe to use an unfortunate expression, about. Uh, you know, to um, uh, to really to really shove its point of view right down your throat. Fellas, fellas, you still there? I'm just so, I'm just saying. Well, so so you, I mean, ultimately, the goal of that article was to get you to buy the bag, and I don't and I don't. You'd have, I don't think you'd that you, have thought you'd have thought. But this is my problem with the with, with what's going on in the world today. Every single thing you can't say, this is a really practical uh, part of your everyday carry without making it some sort of elaborate political statement. Okay, I mean, you know, I, you know, he's never going to hear this, but I mean, you know, look, I. I'm in the market for a new therapist. My last guy was like, I mean, okay, so like most head shrinkers are going to be on the left side of the spectrum, and I can live with that, no problem. But this guy was like so anti-Trump, and like everything he said was like, you know, and I'm like, look, I don't, I, I can't say I disagree with you, sir, but maybe this isn't what I'm paying my copay for. And in the meantime, everything being you know a political statement is part of what's making me absolutely crazy We're... you're not helping sir, not helping, sir. <laughs> also he's from boston so he kind of thinks i'm you know a little soft what do you what do you got yeah, what do you got be to be complaining about my my father worked in a factory for 55 years with a steel plate in his head. Uh-oh. Nah, he actually he doesn't sound like our other Boston friend Jared. Whoa. Hey, 
my uh, internet. Ian uh, froze up there for a second. Froze up. Yes. Yeah. You guys doing okay? You guys doing okay? I was just about to. I was just about to go into a, you guys into a smat pack joke. <laughs> he used a smat pack. <laughs> Jeff doesn't use smat pack. That's why I don't like him. <laughs> oh no. And you know what's funny, Brian, is how he. How he has, I, there's been previous episodes, right, where something happened with your, <laughs> and he throws a big fit, <laughs> and now it's Jeff. What did I miss? <laughs> did your, did your, is your broadband provider taking the day off today, or what's going on down there? <laughs> well, Are you using your, your phone as a hotspot, or? <laughs> you know what, my broadband provider's probably taking a dip in his pool. These are very common here in North Texas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> where water where water and glorious summer days are ample. Yeah, I hear in the fall that Texas will have plenty of water. It's <laughs> based on the hurricane projections. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, I, so, so the Peter the Peter O'Toole things got me thinking, and I don't know that I need to be talking to the two of you about this, but maybe you have some insight. You know how? Okay, so I think that I think we do. But go ahead. Well, probably the two of you do because it's it's really a question for uh, the. The feminine perspective um so why do women have a soft spot for bad boys um I, I will give you a couple of examples of guys okay so like for one thing there's like the whole there's the whole thing where like a good girl will like fall for a bad guy and this was illustrated in the movie Greece. okay um but wow. maybe maybe movie? in high school you <laughs> saw it for yourself okay also i think you have some guys from mick jagger to dennis leary to i don't know who else somebody somebody johnny depp johnny depp well okay who who aren't classically gorgeous but um women go crazy for them and i'm not sure I, i've never kind of i've never really figured that out do, do you think it's because i feel like it's been like that for a long time maybe maybe even since the beginning of time i i think a bad so a, a bad boy you know a bad guy bad boy whatever they come off they usually come off tough macho and i think women like they like a strong tough confident guy and that's why nice guys finish last all the time okay well i think there's something to the to them just uh, they have that appearance that they're a, a big strong man who can handle themselves and they don't put up with crap from anyone they just kind of it is something but they don't always but they don't always treat the women the nicest no the thing is they always end up regretting it later on but for some reason they're attracted to that then they date that that type of guy and then yeah it ends up falling apart because the guy ends up being a jerk brian i don't know why though <laughs> i don't know it is a good question though because i you know i've asked emily that before too like what it you know this is like not the first time this question's been asked, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's weird. I remember seeing it in school. Yeah, I mean, it's just always been like that. I, you know, I, I think that there's a certain. Um, I mean, I think that there are certain humans that like uh, an element of danger. I mean, people buy motorcycles when they go skydiving, right? Not because it's secure and safe, but because it's it's a it's a thrill. Um, and I think it has more to do with, I'm not going to be bored. So this, this, this might be, this might be fun and there might be some collateral damage that comes from it, but, uh, at least I won't be sitting at home wondering what I'm doing tonight. Well, I, I think Mrs. Winger liked me because she 
knew she would never be bored. <laughs> but mostly that's because she's easily amused. And um, <laughs> she was she mistakenly thought that it would be cheaper than cable uh, over the course of our lives together. That's proved to not be the case. <laughs> Turns out I'm way more... Ex I'm more expensive than like even with the premium channels. <laughs> but you know, everybody has their their particular brand of adventure. And yeah. For some, for some, you know, the 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 risk is worth the price. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, anyway, obviously, shouldn't be talking to you knuckleheads about it. Should probably be talking to a woman. To a woman? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think we got it. I think we got it figured out. We can put, put that to bed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Let's uh, let's let, let's let me let me check that one off the list. Yeah. I don't really see any need to investigate this any further, but go, go ahead. Uh, that's funny. I don't know. When you think about, you know, when you, when you watch a movie uh, with, you know, you got the good guy and the bad guy, do you not usually find yourself drawn more like, like you, you know, the viewer, find yourself a little drawn more sometimes to the, the bad guy? He always ends up see he ends up being the guy who's like the... I don't know. Just he's get, he's more fat. He's a lot more fascinating. He's a lot more interesting. Do you, I, do you ever find that? Like I find that I find that when I watch a you know a lot of movies too, I end up and I, I don't mean to to feel that way. You know, I want to root for the good guy, but they all they've been real good about making the the good you know the bad guy just seem so you know so cool. Well, and, the, and this is what we were saying about Elmore Leonard, who's whose bad guys you know become. Uh, interesting, full, fle fleshed out, full characters in and of their themselves, um, and when you when you look realistically at the heroes, you see that they're flawed. Um, but like, I would always rather be, you know, I don't know. Uh, well, I guess I would always rather be Raylan Gibbons than Boyd Crowder. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think we talked about this a little bit a, a while ago, but I, I do think villains have gotten better and, and more interesting, maybe more sympathetic. Um, I surely didn't need six movies to make me um, sympathize with Anakin Skywalker losing his legs. <laughs> Yeesh. He didn't like sand. That's what made him so unhappy. <laughs> um, you know, we, I, I started rewatching a few episodes of the first couple seasons of Lost. And. <laughs> Is that right, brother? <laughs> hey, listen, listen. Lost has its problems, but, but there's some pretty interesting, there's some pretty good stuff in there. Um, the first season is amazing. Like the, I, I remember because of that first season, I hung on for another two, three seasons. Oh, wow. I, I didn't, I, yeah, I think I stopped after season three or something like that, but I was hanging on because I loved that first season and I got, you know, drawn into the, to the characters and I kept thinking, okay, no, no, it's going to get, it's going to get better. <laughs> See, and I, and that puts me in the uncomfortable position of agreeing with Jared, but I, <laughs> I, I absolutely I thought I thought season one was great, but but honestly, I think that no one the showrunners I don't think ABC I mean at ABC I think they were like, holy crap this is a hit now what do we do, Phil mm -hmm. Phil fluff fluff so you What's had like the others and then you started getting even more ex extensive backgrounds and so. I just, I mean, it went nowhere fast. So I, I, I checked out in like halfway through, uh, this halfway through season two. Um, and I, I, you know, I was tempted to go back and, and look at it again, but then, I mean, people like become spitting mad 
when they <laughs> when you when they talk about like the last season. I, I I hear people say I invested so much of my time and my energy into this show, and and the how pay- much energy does it take? And and the payoff was was so disappointing, and and I was like, you were watching TV. You're not investing time into anything. It's not like you were out back building. The characters aren't real. It's not like you were out back building a shed, and then and then like a, a storm came by and destroyed it. You know, and you invested time in it. No, you were sitting down watching TV. If you weren't worth watching that, you're you're watching something else. I taught Did that show. It, I taught that. I taught that show how to <laughs> how to hook a line, how to ride a bike. I. I it just didn't turn out. I don't know. I hate when there's shows like that. That makes me think of Heroes too. I loved the first season of Heroes. I thought it was just so, so good. And then season two is just yeah. But it's the same. Oh. I, I think it's the exact same thing. I think I think when you have a hit, you don't want to mess with it. So like, all right, without and I haven't thought of Heroes in ten years or whatever. So, but I mean, I thought season one was pretty great too. And then season two started. And first of all, here's what they should have like killed the, the people who were supposed to be dead at the end of season one. Should have stayed. should have been dead. Yeah. But these are, you know, these, these are actors that people like. And so they bring them back. And I, I, I know that of all, of all genres, comic book. You know, nobody ever dies in comic books, right? So, you know, you, you can excuse it, but it just would have been a better choice, which is why, which is why, like, the streaming, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, blueprint, uh, the, you know, the, the 13 episodes. I mean, people die. What was it? Um uh season one of the americans didn't didn't one of the fbi guys that you think is going to be around for this show get killed yeah so uh and i i think that there's been other examples of of uh oh well okay so at the risk at the risk of being controversial personally controversial um, you know, ju- justified, man, they'd kill somebody off in the middle of the season and they wouldn't look back. So like the final, the final season, well, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but, um, yeah, I still need to get caught up. <laughs> uh, yeah. What, well, what, what have uh, you been investing your time watching? Jared. Wait, who's he asking? <laughs> You asking me or Jeff? (laughs) Me? You know what? I really have not been watching much TV at all. I'm gonna be be honest. I, you know, Emily and I last weekend we watched. um, And Jeff, we were talking about. I thought we were talking about this recently. The Steve Coogan and Rob uh, Bryden, the uh, trick movies. Can I? Can I? Can I just? Hold, hold you up a second there, buddy. Do, does somebody have a cleaning woman in their home right now? Maybe uh, sweeping Thank with you. a homemade uh, broom? Um, because I, I was just uh, I was just going to thank Jared for taking the time out of his busy schedule working at a Chinese restaurant to have a conversation <laughs> with the two of us. That is amazing because Emily is holding chopsticks right now. <laughs> Unbelievable, Brian. <laughs> Nice guess. <laughs> I was about to say, Rosa, <laughs> rapido, rapido. <laughs> oh, so also in the show notes, I'll add that to the list of apologies. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a quarter Mexican. I can get away with some of that. That's why, that's why I only use one, one word in Spanish. <laughs> okay. So you're watching the trip? So so I didn't realize that they've done four of those things. They did the there was the first one, there was Italy, then they did Spain, and then they did Greece. 
So I didn't realize there was a third one, and I was like, well, I'll give the Spain one a, a try. And you know what? I, I, I think I enjoyed it almost as much as the first one. The, the, the second one I, I remember not really caring for, but I kind of like uh, how they did things in the third one, if you haven't seen it yet, the trip to Spain. They they just came out with another one. I mean, I think it's only like it's the Greece. To, to it's Greece. Greece. I thought. I think it's supposed to be the final one. Yeah, I think the trip to Greece. But we watched uh, the one in Spain. And okay, so they, if somebody would pay us to take oh, an awesome Mediterranean awesome. vacation and like do imitations, it would I, be awesome. Yeah, I, there would never there would be no end. But but I mean, so, the, these are starting to sound like Hope and Crosby on the road movies. Have Have you seen uh, um, Matthew Reese from The Americans and Matthew Good, an English actor? They have this this the wine show, and they they, they travel around and they and they there's two like professional wine experts who like get a lot of the screen time, but then Matthew Reese and Matthew Good they go to these places and they drink wine and get involved in the culture. And it's. I think it's on. I think it's on Netflix. Maybe, but now you tell me. But it's it's pretty funny. It's it's pretty entertaining. Is it okay? You know, I might check that out because Emily really likes that kind of stuff too. So. Well, Matthew Reese has got a yeah. Welsh accent, right? Yeah, like. If you're used to. Isn't Bryden a Welshman? If you're used to Philip, what? if you're used to Philip Jennings, and then seeing Matthew Reese speak in his, you know, natural voice. It's like somebody else talking. He played, I think, Tom Junode, although they changed the name in the movie, right. in um, a, a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood with Tom Hanks, mm -hmm. the uh, mm -hmm. Mr. Rogers movie. Mm -hmm. When my mom was staying with us, she made a big thing about how she, she thought it looked like a good movie, so I like bought it on iTunes, and then... You bought it? You know, now you can't get your 30 bucks back? Okay, I think it was like 15 or 20. It was fine. I mean, that's what a movie costs. Yeah, Unfortunately, is great. <laughs> mother and I fell asleep on it, and Mrs. Winger didn't like it. So, you know, and I, you know, and I, I, I uh, yeah, so, so back at, okay, well, anyway, uh, anyway, now you tell me. Uh, that, that sounds good, but I'll, uh, we could check out, um, I can check out to see if there's anything on YouTube about the wine show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, What's the name of the show? I, I think it's uh, called, I think right? it's just called the Wine Show. The Wine Show. Okay. Cool. They um, they they too didn't have a copywriter. <laughs> Matthew Matthew Good played Ozymandias in the uh, uh, in the Watchmen movies, and. He, what was the other thing? And he was in some rom romantic comedy. He was in he was in Leap Year with Amy Adams. Castle Rock's own Leap Amy Year. Adams. Oh man, forgot about that. <clears throat> How could you forget about that? No, I mean I just forgot about. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot about that movie. <laughs> Well, the block, the blockbuster why, of. Uh... <laughs> why? It's up there with the best of the. Uh, uh, with the best of the male cast members of Friends romantic comedy breakout Hey, movies. it must be a decent movie. Brian remembered it. Uh-huh. Yep. Right? Am I right? Exactly right. <laughs> okay. Well, when look. it comes to movies, I, I already trust Brian more than Jeff. <laughs> I'm still not over the whole Logan Lucky thing. So, so when, when we knew each other 20 years ago, Brian was used to me uh, peppering um, ref, you know, references uh, w from literature and uh, cinema. And then <laughs> one day we're talking on the phone and I say, <laughs> I say something like, I make a sea bass reference from Dumb and Dumber. And Brian, there's like a long silence, and, and Brian goes, How the mighty have fallen. 
I'm pretty sure I've never really bounced back after that. <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> for for a, for a good time, meet sea bass at such and such a time. <laughs> Uh, I watched a few minutes of Tommy Boy the other night. Speaking of that, <laughs> I, I, I you know I haven't seen I haven't seen uh, Tommy Boy. I, see, I, Tommy Boy and Black Sheep might as well be the same movie. Yeah, aren't they? <laughs> Part two. Yeah. Well, I thought that they were just like the outtakes. Right. The bonus. The like, bonus like the features. deleted, the deleted scenes. Uh, what was? <laughs> I always remember Jared's brother, like laughing. It was like, oh no, here comes the meat wagon. <laughs> the new guy's puking his guts out, and the old guy's, oh my god. <laughs> That is a good thing. <laughs> Next thing you know, your wallet's cleaned out and your daughter's knocked up. I've seen it a hundred times. What? What was that movie? It was a. It was another, like Black Sheep. It just wasn't very. It wasn't very good. With Matthew Perry. What was that one called? Wagons East, or I mean, they like. Is that Wagons East? I don't know. I thought that was John Candy in Wagons East. Well, but. You know, overweight comedic actor. I, um, <laughs> but I mean, Matthew Perry and uh, Chris Farley play Farley. Lewis and Clark kind of yeah. duo, right? I never saw it. So and I was a Chris Farley it's, fan. It's not so. It's not a great movie, but Farley does something in there that I I think I laughed harder. And it's just one scene. It's just one scene. Laughed harder than I did in any, uh, almost any of his other films. And it's. Have you seen it, Brian? No. So Matthew Perry is trying to teach him how to read. And so he starts with the alphabet, and he gets a chalkboard, and he's like, "All right, we're gonna start simple. This is a capital A." And Farley's like, "Woo! <laughs> Wow. <laughs> okay, yeah, I, I got it. And he goes, okay, now you ready for the next one? This is a lowercase a. And he's like, do, do, do you want my brain to explode? <laughs> it is such a great scene. And it's just sad because the movie's terrible. But it's like, oh, that's he could just, it's just funny how he, even in a bad movie, he still could get a laugh out of you. The guy was so good at what he, what he did. <laughs> okay. Just you, YouTube that clip, Jeff. I can't, yeah, I can't imitate him. Yeah. He's, no, there are, there are movies that I would, I would take poison before I sat through again. But when Jared does a scene from them, it kills me. Like Zoolander, like he's doing Zoolander <laughs> scenes and i'm thinking this sounds like the greatest the, the funniest movie ever made and then i watch zoolander and i'm like i want to kill i want to kill jared and then several other people this movie is horrible i think i think zoolander was a movie for people that were smoking the juju weed <laughs> Pot, boom, pow, <laughs> crank, ice. <laughs> Zoolander's Zoolander is stupid, but I mean, Mugatu is worth the price of admission. Is that Will Ferrell? Yeah. Yeah. stupid, and it's not worth the price of admission. Don't see Zoolander. <laughs> so, uh, I've got a hilarious Zoolander 2 movie reference, but uh, it involves a family member, so I might have to... <laughs> <laughs> well, Maybe after can... the show. Maybe after the show. I've got a hilarious... <laughs> I've got a hilarious uh, 
fool's rush in story, <laughs> but it requires a buxom Mexican gal and and a gallon of tequila. So let's just put a let's just put a pin in this one for this time, boys. Wasn't that the name of the Matthew Perry Salma Hayek? I'm movie? looking right. I'm looking right at it. Fools rush in. Fools. How in the world could you possibly be looking right at it? Because I'm looking at the IMDb thing for Matthew Perry, trying to figure out the, uh, the movie with Chris Marley. You pulled it. You pulled it. Oh. Do you have the Do you have the name of that bad movie? No, it doesn't even show. A, he doesn't even. That is crazy. So you think, you think Matthew Perry took some of that uh, friend's money and? Expunge that from his IMDb record. <laughs> he did, uh, but it's almost heroes. There it That's is. What it's ah, there. Almost okay. heroes. It's, Jared, it's, it's, thank you for finding that. I'm really disappointed that Brian <laughs> was unable to with IMDb right in front of him. I'm sorry, I'm looking for Wagons East. <laughs> so Wagons East was John Candy. That was Can I think Candy's last. Do you film know? Do you know who directed Almost Heroes? Uh, it no. was it was somebody kind of good, right? Who who was it? Christopher Guest. Christopher Guest, yeah. Yeah. Well, look, if you're if the funny the funny guy dies in the middle of filming, and he was apparently overusing um, illicit pharmaceuticals until he died. I mean, I don't know that that's all on the director, right? No. Yeah, you're taking a risk. No. Hiring someone like that. <clears throat> well, after the success of Black Sheep. Okay. We want to thank we want to thank our sponsor <laughs> Mrs. Winger makes masks. Check out the show notes to see Mrs. Winger's mask. Square.site. Nobody's going to remember that. No way. It's super. It rolls off the tongue. What are you talking about? Stylish, awesome masks. Our, our fellow listeners, look in the show notes. That, <laughs> listen to Brian. That's, yeah, listen to Brian about everything except Zoolander. <laughs> So on behalf of uh, Brian Grimm, Jared Reiser, I'm Jeff Winger. Thanks very much for spending some time for us. We hope you had a hoot and a half. We did. This, this has been the Managing Expectations podcast. Let's go to work. Go to work. Let's do it. <laughs>